0: and roared to produce such an odd symphony, one that never awoke the composer, of course. An accountant by profession, Carlyle impressed Thomas as an odd duck. To hear him talk, Carlyle dealt with the intricacies of paperwork, but his hands were those of a bricklayer, stubby fingers, cracked and broken nails, calluses that made his palms dry and hard. He looked no more the part of an office-bound cipher than did the salt-preserved captain of the Alice, Robert Kinsman. As his destination approached, Thomas forced himself to relax. If the crew was not worried, why should he be? He contented himself with watching the constantly changing colors of the water as it broke around the bow. He could not pinpoint the time when they had turned eastward from their northerly route up the Pacific coast the water told no secrets. From the time they rounded Cape Flattery, leaving the Pacific for the Strait of Juan de Fuca, until the Alice docked at Port McKinney, more than a hundred miles would have passed under their hull, and he had seen not a single landmark for reference. When he awakened before dawn that day, long before Carlisle stirred, he dressed quickly and hurried on deck, hoping for the first sight of the new country under a morning sun. Instead, he had been greeted by the soggy, wet wool of the coastal air. The ship's steam horn vented a note so impossibly long and exquisitely loud that Thomas shut his eyes until the blast died. That symphony was repeated with regularity as they drew closer, although closer to what Thomas could only guess. A blink, a glance away, and then his pulse leaped with excitement. The rich line of emerald green, caught by the sun as it finally burned through the fog, outlined the coast perhaps five miles ahead. Thomas could draw no closer to the rail without tumbling overboard, and his eyes ached with the strain. Bit by bit, the coast gained definition. The sun touched his right cheek, and he realized, with a disoriented start, that the Alice was now actually making headway south. The ghosts of other watercraft appeared moored here and there, and a great curving spit of land hooked out into Admiralty Inlet ahead of them. Once the strong aroma of burning wood tinged his nostrils, an odd sensation in the middle of the wet gray strait. The gulls wheeled noisily overhead, sometimes hidden in the fog, sometimes diving down to hang on the air currents just above the waves, tiny bright eyes regarding the ship with interest. Another buoy appeared dead ahead, and the ship swung hard to starboard, its horn bellowing. The hull kissed the bobbing marker. The gentle throb of the steam engine changed pitch, and Thomas felt the deck shudder as the alice slowed, its bow turning away from the open water. They headed toward a dull, dark little community at the base of the curved spit, passing through a fleet of moored ships of varying tonnage and rigging. The hodgepodge of wharf pilings thrust black and slimy out of the water and dockside. Thomas could see half a dozen people, some fishing, some no doubt waiting for the alice. A hundred yards down the shore, a trio of children and two mutts played near the water. One of the boys appeared to be flailing at the others with a strand of kelp. Looking again to the wharf, Thomas tried to make out the imposing figure of Dr. John Haynes, who had promised a royal welcome. The Alice shuddered again, black coal smoke belched from the single stack, lifting and mixing with the gray fog. Whoever pulled the steam whistle cord was diligent, and Thomas flinched each time. The crew galvanized into action at the last moment as the Alice sidled her 102 feet of keel and 260 tons up to the wharf as gently as if she were a tiny skiff. Out of habit, Thomas hauled out his watch and snapped it open. 3.17 p.m. on this Saturday, the twelfth day of September, 1891. He had shaken his father's hand in the doorway of his Leicester, Connecticut home, ten minutes after seven, on the morning of August 26th. Absolutely remarkable, he said aloud. The enormous size of the continent, studied and annotated on a score of maps in his father's den, had shrunk to this. Eighteen short days— Including visiting for two full days with a cousin in St. Louis. With a final salute from its steam whistle, the Alice's gunnel thudded against the bumper.